Because the truth is, is all of these feelings, all of these thoughts, they're just comes from different people in different seasons with different thoughts. They change from moment to moment. And really, you have the power to just let them all go. Hey, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Entering Motherhood, a podcast dedicated specifically to new moms going through this amazing journey in life. I'm your host, Sarah Bilger, a postpartum nutritional coach slash mechanical engineer. And as always, I'm so excited to be here with you and share all the information I've been lucky enough to obtain since becoming a mom. In today's episode, we talk with Toby Pollock about clearing the mental noise in motherhood and her own personal words of advice for what she wished she knew when she first became a mom. Welcome to Entering Motherhood, and we are so happy to have you here. So do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Thank you so much for having me. I'm really just honored and excited to be here. Um, My name is Toby Pollack, and I am a wife. I am a mom of two little girls, Minnie and Rosie. I'm a psych nurse, and I have a business that I just launched Um, And it's a community to support moms to clear like the mental noise and all the chaos that goes on in our lives, um, just to be supported and build strong foundations in mental wellness so that they can truly show up um, well for their lives. Because um, I really believe that the quality of a person's life is directly related to the strength of their mental wellness. And it's been kind of my journey to strengthen my mental wellness over the past several years. And so I've learned so much and I really want to teach that and give that to others so they can really just live a life that they love. So that's kind of what I do and who I am um, in a nutshell. That's amazing. That is so needed right now. And I, I like, I love how you said the quality of life is related to mental wellness and just, you know, sticking with that clear mindset, you know, like that can really affect what's going on in your life. So I think especially, you know, working with moms and clearing that mental noise, as you said, it is amazing. And I love that your daughter's name is Rosie. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. I can't believe that you also have a Rosie. I just think that's so adorable. I love it so much. It makes me smile. (laughs) Can you hear me smiling over the microphone? You can? Good. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. So what do you have prepared for us today? What are some things that you would like to talk about or some things that you have on your mind that we could learn from? Okay, so um, basically, I will tell you kind of how I landed up doing this, um, how I landed up as a psych nurse, because people so often ask me like, well, how did you become a psych nurse? Like that's super interesting and kind of scary. And what does that even mean? And what do you do? And who's on the psych unit? And there's so many like questions about it. And the truth is, is that when I was in nursing school, I had no idea what kind of nurse I wanted to be. I thought I wanted to be a pediatric nurse because I have nine younger siblings. I'm the oldest of 10. And I just was like, I want to just take care of kids. I love kids. I love caring for people. And then I did my pediatric rotation in a hospital and the nurses were so mean. (laughs) So I was like, I do not want to be a pediatric nurse at all. 
like that's not for me. So I finished nursing school and I was like, yeah, I don't really know what I want to do. And I landed up on a cardiology unit because I did my preceptorship there and then they hired me right away. So that worked out and I was there for nine months. Well, I graduated like two months after I got married and then basically two months after I got married, I got pregnant. And so I started like a new job when I was two months pregnant. And then about six months into my job, which was a midnight shift, I had a baby and my manager was like not very accommodating. And I came back to work right away. So at like six weeks later, or even five weeks later, and I know there was a whole bunch of laws that I totally think she broke, but you know, too late to cry about it now. So um, it was about when my baby was, yeah, about five weeks old, I went back to work and I was doing midnight shifts and I was doing four midnight shifts a week. Mind you, I had a brand new baby, a brand new marriage, and I was doing these four midnight shifts a week and I was not managing. And I never saw my daughter. She was always at my mom's house. My husband was like, who are you? Are we married? What is this? Like, who is this kid? She's never at our house. It was very um, like frustrating. It was very painful. It was just really, my marriage was falling apart. I was never with my daughter because I was either at work or sleeping and then going right back to work. It was totally, it was very like chaotic, really dysfunctional. It was no way to live. And so when she was about, I don't know, maybe three months old, I put in my notice which my nursing manager said, well, you wrote the wrong day on your resignation, so I'm not going to accept your resignation. <laughs> I had put the wrong date by accident. So she gave me my resignation back and basically told me that I couldn't resign. So I was like- So you wrote the wrong date, like up at the top? Yeah, or so, like, and like exactly. On the letter. On the letter. And then they said that they're just going to void it. Right, because, because you wrote it, the wrong date. Was it a prior date or a later date? I don't date? even know. I don't, I, I don't even know. All I know is that she's like, well, you have the wrong date, so I'm going to just give the resignation back to you. I'm like, what? I was so confused. I was like, I think that's totally illegal to not accept your resignation. Who cares what date is on there? Seriously. I feel like I just scratch it off and hand it right I think back. I think I just went to the computer and printed a new one. Yeah. Um, so that was that. And then I needed a day shift position because I knew that night shift was totally crushing my soul and my marriage. And so I um, knew that psych nurses are in high demand because who wants to be a psych nurse? So you can always find day shift jobs for psych nursing because a night shift job is much harder. A, a day shift job on a medical unit is much harder to come by um, unless they're really short staffed, which in that case, you probably don't want to work on that unit. Um, so I knew I could get a job in a psych unit. And at the same time, I thought, well, maybe I'll get an advanced degree in psych nursing. Um, so I got a job right away on a psych unit. And that is how I ended up in psych. I didn't really have at the time, like, like a huge passion for psych um, at all. It was just kind of where I landed up. But as ironic as it is, my psych story kind of started out a lot earlier than that. When I was in nursing school, um, we were taking this, the mental health class. And like, I totally didn't relate from a personal perspective to any of the discussions surrounding mental illness, not the depression, not the anxiety, 
not any of them. They just totally did not connect with me personally. I had never experienced it. It wasn't something I was familiar with. And I just took the information in from like a clinical perspective. Fast forward a couple semesters and I found myself not eating, not sleeping, and not taking care of myself whatsoever. I literally ate probably Reese's Cups and coffee every single day for breakfast and lunch. And for dinner, I had ice cream. I would barely sleep during the night and I would wake up and do the same thing all over again for months. And nursing school is really intense. Um, and I feel so lucky that I was totally single and didn't have any kids because I did not understand how any of my friends did it with kids. It just seemed impossible. I think they just didn't study as much. I think that's what it was. And like several months into nursing school, I found out the hard way that I could not survive that way. And I just fell into a tremendous depression. I was anxious all the time. I was basically non-functional. And I just couldn't take care of myself. I was totally, my brain was mush. Couldn't remember things. I couldn't think about anything. It's a miracle that I passed nursing school. I don't know how. Um, but that was really my first introduction to dealing with mental illness when I was diagnosed with you know, major depression and generalized anxiety disorder. Looking back, I definitely had like the precursors to anxiety, which is still something that I deal with today. Um, so it, it's not like it came out of nowhere, but not taking care of my body, not taking care of my mind, not eating well, not sleeping, not having any friends or social support because I was so like invested in nursing school. It just really sucked me dry and I was left with nothing but tons of anxiety and depression. And I was just in such a rut. I could, couldn't get out of it. And so that led me to therapy, which... I'm a huge fan of. Um, I've been in therapy in one, you know, form or another for the past five years, and it's just been such a blessing. So that's kind of how I landed up, you know, in psych nursing and then starting a business to support moms create strong foundations in mental wellness. Because for the past five years, since I've kind of been through that like major um, struggle, you could say. I've like learned and studied for hundreds, if not thousands of hours, ways to strengthen your mental wellness. And here I am today. And I can say with like complete honesty, it's not like braggy. It's not for show. I really love the life that I've built for myself. I really love the life that I have right now. And it wasn't built alone. I did it with so many other people along with me, but I have developed and I've learned and I've tweaked so many different techniques over the last five years to truly develop like a holistic approach because so often we, you know, people go to therapy or they take medication or they see a psychiatrist and it's like, you know, well, here's a medication, here's some Prozac, here's some Lexapro. Oh, take some Celexa. Oh, you can't sleep. Here's some, you know, sleeping meds, you know, Trazodone or over-the-counter Benadryl or take whatever you can get your hands on. It's just a Band-Aid, really. Those things are helpful. I've been on antidepressants before. You know, they're very, very helpful. They can literally be the make it or break it when someone's in the depths of struggle. I highly recommend them to people who need them. But if we only look at the biological makeup of someone's, of someone's brain, the thing that antidepressants help, then we're missing the other things that contribute to feeling mentally unwell, whether it's, you know, a complicated marriage, difficult children, 
um, you know, a stressful schooling environment, financial distress, all of these things have significant impact on our mental wellness. And when we completely ignore them and all we give it is a pill, it doesn't really solve the problem. And so what I'm so passionate about doing for women, especially moms, um, is to teach them all of these components of like a holistic approach of the mind and body and spirit that contribute to being mentally strong. I feel like I just talked for so long. I'll let you talk. I love it. I am just eating it all up and resonating with all of it. Like, honestly, like what you're saying and, and, you know, like you said, medication is great. It's fine if that's what you need, but, you know, looking at the bigger picture and trying to do it on a case by case evaluation and really looking at that person's life and saying, what's going on here and how can we fix it maybe in small ways without, you know, jumping to the one pill fits all kind of situation, I I think is amazing. And I think it's something that like, you know, we as moms need to like stand up for and really fight for and let other people know that, you know, there's more to it. Absolutely. I love that you said there's more to it. There absolutely is more to it. I think that also people, there's so much stigma around therapy and because people think that like therapy means you just can't hack it. You just can't do it. So that's it. You need therapy. And like therapy can be so instrumental into getting your life in its highest, like most quality form. And I think that when somebody actually does get a good therapist that fits well with them, they can begin to like appropriately assess the different areas of their life that could use improvement, but they don't need therapy to do that. And that's what people don't realize is you don't need therapy to feel better. You could use therapy. It's tremendously influential and helpful. But when we forget about this holistic approach to mental wellness, when we think of it, well, if you're having issues with your, you know, mental health, go to a psychiatrist. My dream, you know, for example, when someone God forbid, is diagnosed with cancer. What do they get? A whole team of people supporting their needs. A social worker, a therapist, maybe even a psychiatrist, a nutritionist, a surgeon, a radiologist, right? There's even respite care for their family. There's like an entire team of people rallying around them to support the different facets of their life as they walk this journey through cancer. When someone's diagnosed with postpartum depression, they get Prozac. No one rallies around them. You're lucky if they get Prozac. Maybe they get meals on wheels for two weeks after they get, give birth. And that's, that's even after they go find the help and admit or, or realize that this is what they're struggling with. Absolutely. I mean, people don't talk about this stuff often enough. So most of the time, I just talked to a friend yesterday and she said she was so struggling after she gave birth. And when her baby was about 10 months old, a friend said, well, this is motherhood. I mean, soon it'll all be over and your kids will be big and you'll just move on. And she was like, that was the worst (laughs) advice ever. I know, I know. This is, no, that's totally wrong. And these things, whether they require medication or they don't require medication, deserve to be uh, like paid attention to, deserve to be addressed deserve to be put front and center. It matters. The mental wellness of a mom truly matters. It matters to her general well-being, obviously. It also matters to the um, overall success of her home, 
of her life, of her family, of her marriage, of the general status of her job and her finances and all the things that are in motion in her life. It's not to be underestimated. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And I think, I think that is just something like you said with, um, was it your friend that, uh, you know, this is not something that like, I think so many people, I hear this so often that it's just like, Oh, that's what it, that's what happens when you become a mom. That's just what, you know, it's, it's the way of motherhood. And, and I'm like, like, I think ever since my daughter was born and I started hearing those words, I've been fighting for like, no, like, it doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to be those things. Like if, if you feel sad, like, you know, that's okay. Acknowledge it. But then like, learn what can I do to make it better and to empower myself? Because we don't have to be stuck in this like, I'm just a mom now. And like, I just have to like deal with my kids until they grow up. And that's just going to happen. Like, I want moms to enjoy every single second of being a mom. And to like, uncover that this is such a new and beautiful experience that's happening to us. So I, I just, it's so amazing hearing that more people are kind of like gathering around that thought. Absolutely. Related to that, I um, have kind of gathered things that I wish that people would have told me before I gave birth. So like after I gave birth for the first time, I like experienced so many things that I was not expecting. And then especially even after the second birth, I was like, how come nobody told me this? And I just like chose a couple things that I would love to share that I feel like I wish somebody would have told me. And the first thing I want to say, it kind of relates to the last thing you said is that people don't talk about the postpartum depression or people don't talk about the sadness and people don't talk about postpartum anxiety either. And it's like this thing that like, oh, if you're anxious, it means you're nervous. It means you're like totally neurotic. And anxiety is a real thing. It, it sometimes takes the form of many different things of why it's sometimes hard to spot. It could be that, you know, anxiety could come up in the form of like excessive um, worry about um, health or, um, you know, just constantly like panicking that you forgot something. It could come up as in just like general irritability or feelings like you just can't ever get anything done ever. And then your life's going to fall apart, like kind of these catastrophic, overwhelming, exaggerating thoughts. These are all really common symptoms of anxiety. And so often they're just pushed under as like, well, yeah, that's just how it is. You're just like a little crazy. And I think if we recognize it, it can be empowering to notice that um, this is what you're experiencing and it's called anxiety. And there are things that you can do and tools that you can learn to help you work through that. So it doesn't have to own your mind and run your life. Um, and based off of that thought, one of the first things that I wish people would have told me is that not to let anybody tell me what motherhood is supposed to look like. It's so easy to go on social media or to look at our neighbors and friends and see through their windows or through our phones, this is what motherhood is. 
It's fancy balloons and cute parties and smash cakes and it all looks so cute. But they'll also tell you that it's like um, impossible and traumatic and just, you know, you just don't sleep ever and you can't wait for them to get big. And it's so um, like such polar opposites. And you never know, like, what is it supposed to be this? Is it supposed to be that? And I just wish that like, I could tell people, don't let other people tell you what motherhood is supposed to be. Because they want to tell you it's beautiful, it's exhausting, it's depleting, it's a total disaster, there's no time for you. You know, you're going to be sleepless, it's extremely difficult, you're making a huge sacrifice. Oh, but it's so fulfilling and there's abundance of love all the time, just hearts and roses everywhere. They're going to tell you it's like chaotic and they're just tell you so many things and it's coming at you. There's constant spaghetti in your hair, you know, or maybe you made a mistake or you're full of anxiety and guilt. You're going to lose your purpose. You gain your purpose. This is the ultimate womanhood. You know, it's like so confusing and it's like, don't stop letting people tell you what motherhood is or should look like. The only person that gets to define that for you is you. Because the truth is, is all of these feelings, all of these thoughts there just comes from different people in different seasons with different thoughts. They change from moment to moment. And really, you have the power to just let them all go, right? Like you don't have to keep them for yourself. The only ones that you should keep for yourself are the ones that you relate to in this moment. And I think we have to stop letting other people tell us what life is. It's what we, we say it is. Yeah, yeah. You know, that is just something that, you know, I've learned and I've talked to other moms about and, you know, just having that filter and being able to distinguish between information that you appreciate and like and information that you don't have to listen to. You know, it's just they're, they're words that other people are saying, but you get to decide if it's what you want to incorporate into your life or not. You don't have to take it as fact. They're just, they're just other people's words. So, you know, having that ability to be able to interpret that for yourself and, and go through that and be like, hey, you know, they said it was going to be miserable, but this isn't miserable. You know, that's unique to you as a mom. And, and I think that's just something that we need to evaluate more on every individual situation. And I only have one daughter, just Rosie, but you know, I know going into the next one, I'm not going to expect everything to be exactly the same because every kid is different and every time it's different. So just preparing myself for change, I think, I think has been a huge help. Absolutely. I remember um, when my second daughter, Rosie, was born and you know how you expect it to be this like magical time. It's like so beautiful and, you know, and you connect with your baby so well and it's just so magical, right? Like that's the word that people use around it. And I think the reality is for so many people, it is magical. And for so many people, it isn't magical. And after I had my second baby, I had a C-section because at the last minute she turned breech. And by last minute, I mean, at 41 weeks, she turned breech and <laughs> I had to have a C-section. And I remember distinctly saying, to my baby when my baby was about seven days old was the first time I said, I love you. And I felt it in my heart. And that was the moment that I realized we have to stop telling moms 
what like your birth is supposed to look like or how you're supposed to feel around your baby. That's completely normal. There's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with my baby. And sometimes it just takes a minute to connect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because my birth, my, my birth, well, my, my daughter's birth resulted in a C-section as well. I was in labor for over 24 hours and then I elected to get a C-section and um, you know, it was difficult because I did go into it thinking, oh, this is going to be magical and wonderful. Like I wanted a completely unmedicated birth. Uh, I knew I was going to be at the hospital, but I was like, oh yeah, like nothing, like things change. And, and, you know, immediately afterwards I was kind of, you know, disappointed and like, you know, it was, it is what it is and it was what it was. such a feeling though. Yeah, but then, you know, those outside perspectives were coming at me and I was starting to feel okay with it. And, you know, I did what I felt uh, confident doing. I fully made the decision. I wasn't rushed. I wasn't told I had to do it. So I still felt completely empowered in my choice. And then to hear other people say like, oh my gosh, like that must have been horrible. I can't believe like they made you get a C-section or like, you know, like what was that like? That wasn't what you wanted. And it's like- It messes with your mind. Oh. It totally does. And then you start to question your own sanity. Like, did I make the right choice? Didn't like, what does it matter at this point, right? Right. Like, oh, that's awful. I'm so sorry that happened. I know. And I went back and forth kind of with like, this whole like, well, did I really make the right choice? Did I give up? Like I thought, you know, I gave up. I gave up on my baby. I didn't give her the birth that she deserved. And, you know, I've just come to the realization of what happened, happened. And we have to progress from that point. And, you know, she's here and and everything worked out the way that it was supposed to. So I can't I can't go back and change those things. And And I don't want to, because if I did, who knows what would have happened. And it's not up to me to figure that out. (laughs) Exactly. I love that perspective. It's not up to me to figure out what could have happened. Yeah. I love that. So much freedom (laughs) and letting go, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's something that like, I feel like I had to kind of just learn quickly. And, and since I've done that, it's just been so much easier to process and, be okay with and no matter what it is what it is so yeah like you I had anticipated with Rosie to have like a more unmedicated birth because with Minnie my older daughter I was very medicated and it didn't go as I had anticipated um in terms of the medication or how the birth went and I just ended up with like a prolapsed bladder because of all the you know pushing that I didn't do well and um you know a third degree tear and it was just hot mess and so I was like I wanted to be much different for my next birth well turns out I had a c-section and then there was so much like um when people said oh like when did you give birth and I would say to myself well I didn't really give birth I had a c-section it messed with my head because of what people tell you about what real birth is or what a natural birth is and it's like dude I totally gave birth (laughs) Yeah, you know? like a, a baby came out of my body. Exactly. And it I think it's happened. just this idea that like, yeah, like 
we're so influenced by what other people tell us is normal that it really messes with our ability to process our own experiences in a healthy, balanced way. Yeah. And I honestly feel like until you go through a situation, you don't have any voice in the matter because like you said, like, you know, when, or even you don't have the magnitude of understanding what it was like for that person to go through that. Like there's still so much that I can't even begin to imagine what other people have dealt with because I haven't gone through that. And I can see that now, like, you know, if I don't have that personal experience, I can, I can relate. I can feel empathy for them, like compassion, but like, I don't know what it's like for them. Just like if you haven't been through that situation, like you don't know what it's like and how you were saying uh, back when you were in school and you were learning about depression and anxiety and how it wasn't really relevant to you because you couldn't relate. So you had a completely different perspective of what it was like to be depressed or have anxiety before. And then after going through it, you get that, you know, new set of eyes, that new lens that you can now be like, oh, whoa, like, actually, like, this is different. Exactly. It's like a whole new, a whole new light, a whole new understanding. Yeah. So I think that's just something that I'm learning and trying to like incorporate into my realization with people that you you don't know what's going through their head and you can only just be that space for them to kind of listen to. So yeah, there's so much power, especially in motherhood, for just to be like a really good listener for your other mom friends. It really goes a long way. So what else are uh, some things that you wish that you knew? Okay, so this next one I'm like super passionate about because (laughs) when I was pregnant and had given birth, I was being inundated with an insane amount of targeted Facebook ads. So if you're on Facebook and you have a baby, you might experience the worst amount of Facebook ads the planet and they what kind of ads were you getting okay this is what (laughs) i'll tell you this is the ads they promise you the most beautiful motherhood if you just bought this thing right your breastfeeding journey will be transformed with this new bottle you'll never have pain again when you use this or you know take the thinking out of it if you buy all this for a million dollars or is your baby fussy this will cure him You'll be the best mother if you give your baby this or your baby's getting too much bacteria. Save her from disease with this new pacifier. Literally, nonstop. Water isn't good enough to heat your bottle. Buy this warm-up water bottle, right? (laughs) All that baby weight, watch it melt away with this new program or smoothie or protein bar or meditation. (laughs) Are you exhausted? You'll never be tired again with this new weighted blanket. Running low on breast milk? You know, these cookies will turn you into a milk factory. Like, obviously, I'm being a little facetious with some of these. But to be honest, most of these Facebook ads are literally what it felt like. It literally felt like you have to take in all of this, buy all of this stuff in order to do this right. And it just adds so much noise, so much fear and like anxiety and panic. And it teaches you that like, you're not doing it right, or you're not doing it well, if you don't buy these things. And the truth is, is that Facebook ads are really good 
at like compelling you to buy this stuff has it has nothing to do with the reality of whether you should buy this stuff if this thing is even good for you or healthy or smart or safe and like what i've learned is you have to take these ads that come up these facebook ads or instagram ads or even people just talking to you and literally click in your mind or on your app hide this ad and don't let them keep popping up every single time you open your Facebook because it's just gets so it's visual clutter, it's dig digital clutter, and it literally clutters your brain with noise. And I'm so passionate about taking the noise out of motherhood, you know, quieting the noise, kind of just letting the noise go. And I think we forget that like the digital noise and the media that we consume contributes so much to like the noise inside our head. And it's so overwhelming for, I think, a new mother who doesn't know what she really needs. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And you know, I mean, like, there's definitely things that are going to be useful and helpful. But like, you need to, again, have that filter and be able to kind of comprehend what's coming at you. But maybe more so, if something comes up, then you then you look for it, but don't let things just come at you. And then you think, oh my gosh, I need this. Or like, oh, uh, like you said, um, what did you say? Like, it, it's like, am I like not doing it right? You know, like, oh, I, I need this in order to do this better. Like, was I not doing it okay? There were so many things that I was either gifted or, or told that I would need that I don't think I even touched you know, like there was like certain things that I really kind of valued on my own, but then there was so many other things that like one person said was super helpful and I found no use for it. So I think it's just being- What was it? I'm so curious. Oh my gosh. Like what are some super things? Funny. Like all those like silly, like I'm even trying to think of like more so like personal stuff, like not even like for baby, but like like all the like wipe warmers and stuff like that, like exactly. all the like unnecessary things. Like moms have existed for hundreds and hundreds of years without all of this stuff. Oh, we had like this little like bouncy rocker thing and it was like mm -hmm. nice and great and everything, but like Rosie didn't enjoy it all that often. So like, and then, and then she got too big for it once she started to like it. So I just had, I had like a rocker and a swing and a little, um, downside thing, and I mean, and it ends up taking over your whole entire house because you need all the little <laughs> things, and then you're like, "Can I walk without tripping?" Right, and I just wanted to hold her most of the time. Like that's yeah. all I wanted to do. Like I was like, "Why am I gonna put her down in her her little bouncer when I can just hold her?" <laughs> oh, I love holding little babies. But and then we had. Like the swaddle wraps and stuff. I really liked those. Yeah. But definitely. Yeah, I'll have to get back to you on that. Like what were some yeah. specific You should things? compile a list of yeah. things that you loved and like things that you like totally did not need. Yeah. You know? Because I do think that moms are so like inundated with all of this stuff, like all the baby shower lists and the registries and like, you know, you need this and you need this and you also need this and you need this. And oh, and when the baby gets bigger, she's going to need this next thing. And the right. truth be told is you really don't need 95% of that stuff. 
and you only need very few things by the time the baby is born. And I think it's best to meet your baby and then buy stuff because then you know what your baby needs yeah. and then you know what you need. Like, why are you going to spend hundreds or if not thousands of dollars on things that you don't even know if your baby's going to enjoy? Right. Yeah. Funny story. Uh, I have So I have three sisters and a brother and uh, Rosie right now is very into cardboard boxes. <laughs> and so my one sister knows this and for Christmas she no lie wrapped a cardboard box oh that is epic (laughs) I love that and my brother got her an avocado (laughs) 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 I was like I call him bud but like his name's Steven and I was like bud did you really you just you got her an avocado and he's like, well, yeah. Oh my gosh. And, and but she, she sure eat, enough, she avocado. What? Did she even eat them? Yeah, she eats them, but like it was like a full on, like still like in the shell. What is the yeah the, yeah. the full on avocado? <laughs> and so she was sitting in the cardboard box, just playing with an avocado. <laughs> <laughs> I love that because it makes for such fun memories, you know, like you're not going to forget that. I know. It was, it was great. And I mean, she loves, like, she doesn't know any better. Like she's 16 months old. And so like, that is like the highlight of her Christmas presents. Yeah. And that totally reminds me of another topic, which is that like moms feel so pressured to spend money on their kids because it's like, well, they need to have a fancy birthday party or they need to have like so many clothing or, you know, they need really like expensive toys or, and the truth is, is the kids are little, especially before they go to school or especially before they start to notice other people. Why are you spending so much money on things that are really like not important? And I think it's so much pressure. I mean, if you want to go ahead, you know, be my guest, but if, things are tight financially, or you just don't have the space for it, or you don't want to take the pressure off of yourself. You know, you don't have to look at everybody and be like, well, they got, you know, their daughter, like a fancy something for her first birthday. I mean, that is beyond me how people spend hundreds of dollars on a first birthday. Like, I guess you're celebrating being a mother for a year. Like, what are you, you know? Yeah, I I think, I think that's what I've heard like a lot about, like a lot of people are like, well, like I had like a baby survive for a whole year. Like I need, I want to celebrate. And like, I think it was kind of nice because of COVID this year that we had a very small, just like intimate birthday party. And like, I, I enjoyed it. We had like a unicorn theme, but like that was like the extent of we got some cupcakes and stuck some of those plastic unicorn rings in it. Yeah, that's (laughs) fun. If it's fun and like, you know, if you want to go all out and go big and, you know, be my guest. But I think the pressure of seeing all this. Right. Don't feel like you have to. If you want to, that's one thing. But like trying to keep up just because you you think that's what everybody else is doing it's so stressful exactly exactly which kind of brings me to my next um thing um that I wish somebody would have told me shaken me and told me that I should not consult the internet for everything (laughs) (laughs) which is like so obvious because everybody knows this but then the second you get pregnant what do you do google you go on Google <laughs> and 
what I'm telling you to do instead, all of you people listening, is call the people you trust. Your doctor, your midwife, your doula, your mother, your best friend, your nutritionist, whoever you trust. But don't consult Google because you probably don't have cancer. And that's all Google is going to tell you. Yeah. I'll tell you like a real example. My sister, she is now six, I think. My youngest sister is six. And um, she was born with a very funny shaped um, eye pupil. So, you know, like the black part of your eye. Yeah. So her pupil, instead of being round, it's shaped like a tear shaped, like a, like a teardrop. Oh, that's wild. It looks a little bit like a cat eye, how it's like more elongated. And what did Dr. Google say? So I noticed it when she was like a few days old, but I didn't say anything to my mother because I knew my mother would freak out. (laughs) So like my mother has, what do you call it? Like hypochondriac. Uh-huh. My mother wrote the definition of, well, she was the, she was the poster child for hypochondriac. <laughs> the, the psychological textbook. Oh. Like mega. So I didn't tell my mother because I knew she would freak out. So a few days later though, she kind of noticed on her own. And I had already looked on Google by the time my mother noticed. So what do you think Dr. Google said? I don't know. She might be blind. Oh my goodness. (laughs) When I told my mother that, yeah, I think you should take her to the doctor because I looked on Google and I think you should take her to the doctor. Uh Uh-huh. So you could just imagine that if my mother had gone on Google which my mother is totally like internet illiterate. So she wouldn't even know how, but (laughs) imagine the panic and the fear. If that was either my child, I mean, I had panic and fear with being my sister, but imagine if it was my child, the panic and the fear that comes with like, well, what if my daughter is blind? And then when my mother did find out that this was a possible outcome, she was like, beside herself like she's like how am I going to teach my daughter how to live in this world if she's blind and how am I is she going to function and she was just she was beside herself yeah well it turns out my sister's not blind and she's totally fine it's just a neat little (laughs) defect in her eye so yeah I mean it's something that's called like an iris coloboma and it's a kind of like a mal a misformation of the eye when it's you know when she was forming in utero and it doesn't come together. And for some people, this indicates retinal detachment and can cause blindness. So for some people on the, you know, one end of the spectrum, it could be an indication for blindness, but hers was very minor and she's totally not blind. <laughs> oh, that's wild. You're going so to have to show me a picture of that. Yeah. I'll have to send you a picture, but it just like shows you how you know, the internet is so, I, I really feel like Google is so bad for mothers. It just, it brings up such fear when fear isn't necessary. Yeah. And even like I found some of the mom groups and stuff, there's just so many people with so many different opinions that you ask one question and you get every single side of it. So you're like it's so overwhelming <laughs> to interpret and to process, and it's like, and like you're who just, do I listen to? Right, and you're just going there for support. You're just going there for some sort of guidance, and people are just like, "That means this and this and this. like, oh, 
It's so overwhelming. So yeah, definitely yeah. clearing out I was that. Just a, I was just on a like mom's group yesterday and somebody posted a picture of their child's baby rash on their arm. It mm -hmm. was like, like rash. And somebody's like, one person is like, it's MRSA. The next person says, it's a staph infection. The next person's like, it's a spider bite. And it's like, <laughs> oh my goodness. Just take her to the doctor. Right. Call, you know, call your mother, ask a friend. Right. And like, yeah, it's there's just, so just there's too many opinions sometimes on those groups that it's just so overwhelming. And like, you just got to, you know, have that small little team and like that small little group of people. And like, that's, that's who you're going to go to. That's for... your people. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because then, yeah, then it just starts going every which way. Yeah, totally. So let's see what else. The next thing that I love to talk about, which is not really talked about a whole lot, and um, it doesn't really fit into like any sort of picture, is the topic around body image, especially in motherhood. Because if I could give one piece of advice to a mom, it would be don't compare your body, whether during pregnancy or post-pregnancy, to the bodies of others. And I heard this once and I've kind of like morphed it into my own. As a rule, don't compare bodies, babies, and husbands. Everybody's different and comparing just makes liking them or loving yours harder than it may already be. Yeah. And like, it's okay not to love your body the way it is right now. Again, we're so, because we live in such like a, connected universe with social media and internet and Facebook groups, we see so many people, right? We literally can see the pictures of hundreds of people every single day. And we know what our body looks like. And that's not what we see necessarily reflected in other people. And I think it's totally okay to say, like, I don't love my body right now. You don't have to like hate your body and you don't have to love your body. You can just say, I don't love it right now. And Actually, after you give birth, you might not even recognize your body because you know how pregnancy is. You become massive sometimes. I was so swollen. Yeah. So incredibly. And especially with a C-section, they, I don't know, pump you up with some stuff. And I had to stay in the bed and they had a, what are they called? Like the pressure puffs on my calves. Yeah. Uh -huh. And I just felt huge. Yeah. You feel <laughs> huge. So you look puffy. huge. And it comes to a point where you almost don't even recognize your own body. And there becomes this normal sort of body dysphoria where it's like, is this even my body? And will mm -hmm. it ever look the way I thought it did look again? You know? And um, grieving that like loss of your old body is like so normal and healthy, right? Like to say like, I, I kind of miss my old body because pregnancy changes a woman's body for most people. Most people don't go to like a pre-pregnancy um, physique. Even if they go to a pre-pregnancy size, their hip shape changes, you know, mm -hmm. their proportions change a little bit. And I know for me, that's something that I really struggled with, with my, even my first birth, I was very, with my first pregnancy, I was very big. And then with my second pregnancy, 
it looked like my baby was falling out of my stomach because my abdominal muscles were so weak. I had diastasis recti. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's yeah. Like abdominal wall separates a little bit, or a lot of it. <laughs> and um, my grandmother asked me if I was having twins. And when I told her no, she said, are you sure? <laughs> like I was so big. I had a similar situation. We were just out somewhere and this guy comes up to me and he goes, you look like my wife did when she was pregnant with our twins. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, you just wanna like yeah, you just want to like hide and like cover your face. And yeah. like, I said to him, nope, just one. <laughs> exactly. I said, you should tell your wife that you said that to somebody. <laughs> Exactly. Punishment. <laughs> tell, tell on yourself to your wife. Exactly. That's good punishment. I like that. Like there's um, just some things that you do not say to pregnant women that you don't say to moms. Like just. <laughs> yeah. And actually, like if you look at my Instagram, literally, I've said this like so many times. It's never okay to ask someone if they're pregnant when they're getting pregnant or when they're having kids or when they're having another kid, it is never okay. I cannot even tell you how many times people have asked me if I'm pregnant when I was not pregnant. People have asked me if I'm pregnant literally the day I was having a miscarriage. It is so inappropriate, painful, and just wrong. <sighs> like, hard rule, don't do it. Even if I look like I'm having a baby today. Like, I mean, maybe if it's like your close friend or something and you're kind of like, hmm, it looks like maybe something's different, you know, like that's okay. Like I wouldn't be like as offended, but a completely random stranger <laughs> or like someone that I don't see that often or what, like, I would just be like, no. Yeah, exactly. I'm just like a hard no. Like, don't ask me that question. When I have a baby, you'll find out that I was pregnant. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Although I was very surprised when I was like obviously pregnant, like some, like at least to me, I seemed like, you know, okay, you can totally tell that I'm pregnant. Some people would still kind of like be hesitant to kind of like ask. Like I, I felt like, like if I kind of like when I was at work or something and I was like not around them as often or like, I don't know, for whatever reason. And then uh, all of a sudden we were on a project together and they'd see me after a couple of months and I obviously had grown. <laughs> like I, I had to like, I would like rub my belly and like arch my back and like make it very obvious. Like, yes, I'm pregnant. It's okay. We can talk about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So on, on, on loving your bodies as they change, I think that it has, I think it should be more normalized that like your bodies really change and it's normal to be sad about a body that you don't have anymore or that you, you know, you wish you had. Um, but I also want to be mindful to say that if this extends into like severe body dysmorphia, when you just don't feel like you're living in your own body or your body looks different than it actually does or becomes like obsessive or you start eating a lot or eating not at all. Um, you know, definitely seek help because as these things move from normal experiences, sometimes into more like extreme experiences, that's the time that you say, 
I think I might want to talk to somebody and it doesn't have to be um, a professional. It could just be a friend where you kind of bounce off that experience with. And it's like, do I need help? Do I not need help? But I, in general, think it's so normal to feel uncomfortable in your body. And I think that it has to be talked about because so many, you see so many people who are like either months or years after giving birth and they're like, what is this body? I hate it. I think it's because they've never really processed the transition. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's huge. Like you said, like if they, if you don't take time and process that transition period and really heal yourself in all aspects, I think it can linger on so much longer until it's it's gonna get brought up yeah yeah I see so many women who are like you know they have their youngest is five years old and then they're you know larger than when they before they had children and then they feel like this is not even who I am and I lost myself and I feel like no you're really still right there and you're a beautiful person but it's because they never took time to get familiar with their changing physical bodies that it's like it feels so foreign yeah I think that's huge so that's my rant about body image um and I think it kind of relates to another subject that I really like talking about um is that intimacy with your partner um during pregnancy but especially after birth can be such a source of confusion tension and discomfort that you probably were not expecting like I see so many people on these mom groups, which I should probably just like extract myself from, <laughs> but I see so many, um, I'm going to evict myself from them. Um, you, I see so many people saying, how soon after birth can I have sex? And it's like, can you slow down and just take a minute? Because it's so, I think birth really changes a relationship and it could be so confusing when it doesn't just like, you know, bounce back or snap back to the way it was. And then there's just tension and confusion. And I hear from so many of my actual friends who tell me that like, they feel so disconnected from their partners after giving birth. And I want women to know, I want mothers to know that this is normal and it's really common. And the best thing you could do for your marriage is communicate your experience with your partner and maybe your doctor because at the end of the day communicating will save your day because it's not about having sex or not having sex right it's about communicating what your experience is and what you're hopeful for and what you're sad about and what you were expecting and what you're disappointed about yeah i definitely agree with that and just keeping that communication open at all times yeah i'm like a big fan of communication if there's anything that i've learned after 5 years in being in therapy um, is that communication is really effective. Communication is really the make it or break it in going through any experience um, well with like resilience and with, you know, coming out of the other, coming out of the conversation or coming out of the experience better is really dependent on the quality of communication. And the kind of mantra that I've been saying to myself over the past couple of years, as I've kind of been working on this intensely, especially in my marriage, is that um, 
the more articulated I can articulate my feelings and clearly communicate my needs, the better off I am as a person. So that's, that's also something that I've been working on a lot is um, communication and um, articulating my feelings. That's one thing that I said this year, I kind of want to focus on just kind of communicating more effectively and kind of, you know, cause like you said, like I can talk too, like I can talk my husband's ear off, like la da 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 da, like all day, every day. But I think being more exact with what you're saying and having more kind of purpose to your conversation and really using that time to make something, I guess, worth it is is something that I really want to like not just chit chat to chit chat but like actually talk for a purpose and a reason yeah I think so often um especially in marriages we just like hold things back and we don't talk and we don't communicate and we like send these like passive aggressive like hints like I'm totally pissed off and then you save all that resentment for like days or weeks if you're superhero and then you blow you just blow your top and however that comes out whether it's with anger or with saying really mean things that you really had not intended to say or breaking things or yelling at your kids however that you know you know just going overboard comes out for you it's really a result of not communicating your needs and your feelings when they came up in the first place yeah and it, I always say, clear is kind. Unclear is unkind. When you are not clear with your thoughts and you're not clear with your needs, especially with your partner, it's not, you're not saving them anything. You're not saving yourself anything. It's not kind. And, you know, clearly communicating, like, I'll tell my husband, like, I'm really feeling anxious or I'm really feeling frustrated that I have all this to do and I don't feel like I'm supported in this way, I really would appreciate it if you could wash the dishes, blah, 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 whatever it is. And it's like, now he has something clearly articulated to respond to. And he can either say, sure, I'll do the dishes, or he'll say, I'm not doing the dishes. But whatever his response is, I can move on with my own decision. Right. right? Clarity for me is important too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think I think that's so important, you know, not holding in those things and wondering like, oh, what are they going to say if I say this and just getting it out there for your own clarity and for your own um, well-being, I, I think is something that we need to do more of. Like when something comes up, you know, just express how you're feeling because like you said, it's just like going to continue to bottle up and bottle up and then and then one time it's just going to explode and they're like where is this coming from yeah yeah I think men like don't really read the lines as like in between the lines as much as we hope they would they don't pick up on the details they don't pick up on the nuances they don't pick up that you're freaking angry until they're like I think you're upset and you're like duh Exactly. You're like, you think I'm upset? Why do you think I'm upset? And they're like, I don't know. Does something happen? (laughs) I feel like that could be a whole other episode. (laughs) Exactly. And I could talk about that for like a year. So, (laughs) but we love them, right? (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) 
I always say marriage is hard. You might as well do it with someone you like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is a whole nother topic that I feel like people don't talk about enough. <laughs> that's awesome. You know? But, um, so yeah, that's pretty much mostly everything that I kind of thought would be really fun to share with people about like what I wish people would have told me about birth or pregnancy or, you know, having a new baby, just kind of things that I wasn't expecting to experience. And I just had to process in a new way that I didn't know. And I would love for someone else to be like, oh, that makes so much sense. Like, I understand that too. Yeah. Yeah, completely. What do you think are some things that you found to, to help, you know, like in those moments, like you said, there's some mantras that you got going on and just like different things that you like say and do. Do you have any other kind of like known things that you have found to be helpful in motherhood or how did you come about creating a mantra? So the mantras that I create are really fueled from how I want to feel or how I want to act in a given situation. So for example, like let's say my daughter is like just, she's like throwing a tantrum. My daughter throws these really intense tantrums and it's like, how do I want to act? Not how am I acting? So how do I want to act? I want to act with patience and I want to be calm and grounded. So a mantra that I'll say in my head is, you know, lead with compassion, lead with kindness. And it kind of sets the focus for my actions to be grounded, to be compassionate, to kind of change my focus from one of like frustration and irritability to one of loving and kindness. And it's actually the same mantra that I use in regards to my husband, lead with compassion, right? Um, I do believe that as a mother, you're a leader, you're a leader in your home for your, your husband, um, for your kids, whether or not your husband is a leader too, you can both be leaders, right? And when going into a conversation, I always want to lead with compassion. I don't want to lead with criticism. I don't want to lead with frustration. I want to lead with compassion. So that's always a mantra that I'm repeating to myself. Um, another thing that I tell myself is I'm not broken and this is normal. So whether that's experiencing postpartum depression, experiencing anger, experiencing exhaustion, I think it's so easy to feel broken. Like I'm doing something wrong. I am wrong. This is not working for me. I don't do this right. It's so easy to feel broken. But to remind myself, I'm not broken and this is normal and I'm okay and I have, I can ask for help. That's another thing that I wish people would have told me is please ask for help. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to know what you need if you don't tell them. They might guess and send you meals for two weeks, but they're not going to know anything else. You have to tell your spouse what you need help with. He's not going to know for sure not. He's a brand new dad too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So kind of like talking myself through these experiences, um, it's okay to ask for help. I can ask for help. Um, Are like kind of the mantras or the themes that I tell myself to get through these experiences um, well. That's great. So, you know, like somebody that is looking to create a mantra in their own life, 
I think like you said, finding how do you want to feel and then starting from there is such a great way. And then once you know, oh, I want to feel like this the next time this situation comes up or whenever something is going to arise, then then you can use that mantra to help you get through that situation. So I think that's definitely really helpful. Exactly. Like I just remember, you know, when babies are so little, sometimes they just cry for such a long time and you feel so frustrated. You feel so helpless and kind of thinking like, well, how do I want to feel in this moment? I want to feel safe. Cause you know, when our babies are crying, sometimes we feel like something is wrong. Right. And like anxiety, you know, you know, um, spikes and we start to feel unsafe in our own environment, right? Because our babies are just screaming. And so leading with a mantra like, I am safe and my baby is safe and we're going to be okay. It's so soothing to, to your psyche, you know, it's so soothing to your experience when sometimes you feel so out of control just to like remind yourself, I'm safe and my baby's safe. Yeah, I think that's an awesome one. I think that's something that definitely would have helped me. I definitely, you know, anxiety would spike when when things happened. And I felt so out of control for this little tiny life that like I now was completely responsible for. And so I think having having that little phrase of I am safe and my baby is safe and just kind of like reiterating that. And now I think what I've learned is I kind of just express that I'm uncomfortable with a situation and let it out there like before I would see somebody kind of holding her wrong or doing something that I wasn't necessarily okay with and I would just kind of again bottle it up and internally freak out and kind of like yeah you would just like swallow it (laughs) yeah and now I'm like you know what no this bothers me I'm gonna say it politely but I'm going to acknowledge that it's there and it's present and be like hey this is kind of annoying me or or I say like, okay, like mommy's like anxiety is getting really high right now. <laughs> and like, yeah, exactly. You know, just letting that person know that you feel uncomfortable or kind of reiterating again, like this is my child and like, that's not something that I necessarily feel okay with. And that's perfectly okay to do as a mom. Like you have every right to let somebody know that this is not their child and and you guys have a certain routine and a certain way of doing things that might be different than how they're doing things. So Exactly. I think it also, um, some of the other things that I wrote down that I didn't share, um, one of them was um, that like no is a complete sentence. And so often people ask us, like, why are we doing something? Um, Or why didn't you do this? Or why can't we come here? Are you doing this? And I think that giving, like, simple, complete (laughs) answers, like, in very succinct ways are the best ways to answer these questions. Like, um, are you, you know, why aren't you letting, because we decided this is best for us. Or I would appreciate it if you would do blah, 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 blah. Why? Because that's what we decided is best for us. We thought about it. We appreciate your concern. And this is what we came up with. We don't really want to discuss it anymore. Like really succinct, you know, pre-planned answers can be really helpful 
Um, because so often when we have these new babies and everybody's like giving us their opinions and asking us all these questions and why did we choose this and why did we not choose this and why did you have a C-section and don't you know that unmedicated labor is like way better for your baby and don't you know that like there's like you're not going to latch as well if you have a C-section and it's like slow down. Yeah, that was like something that I had heard too, you know, like, oh, like if you have a C-section, it's harder to breastfeed. And it's like, we we stayed on for a year and then even more so. And the only reason that we had stopped is because I was kind of, okay, we've made it a year and I feel comfortable stopping now. Like I, I would like my body back. Yeah, exactly. And I think so often people say like, oh, you... The problem is, is that everybody has an opinion, mm-hmm. right? That's the problem. So you stop, you know, breastfeeding your baby at a year. Why did you go that long? Or why didn't you go for longer? Right. It's like, you can't, when, when we're so, I learned this from Brene Brown. Have you heard of her? Yeah. Okay. Love her. And I learned this from her. She said, take a sticky note. So like a three by three post-it note and on it, this is something that I talk about over in my business on it, write down the names of everybody who you um, trust or invite their opinion. And if their name is not on that paper, when they give you their opinion, just toss it right out. You don't even have to let it enter your energy bubble. I always envision myself, especially in times when I feel like I'm at like a lower threshold or lower capacity to deal with stuff. I imagine myself having this like bubble around me. And if there's not something that I feel like I want to entertain or handle, or I just don't have the capacity, I just envision it not entering my bubble and it just won't enter. And so if their name is not on that opinion list, mind you, she chose a three by three post-it note for a reason. You can't fit that many names on it. (laughs) If their name is not on that list, their opinion doesn't get to matter to you. I think so often we have these all these opinions from the cousins and the uncles and the and the parents and the in-laws and the step-in-laws and and you know the step-siblings and the friends and the Facebook groups and the everything and it's just so many people having an opinion about what's good for you yeah and I just say you can't get in my bubble (laughs) you can't get in my bubble (laughs) I love that that's another way that I kind of yeah like don't let certain things come in is I literally envision a bubble like people have such negative energy and energy like I'm a highly sensitive person I don't know if you've ever heard of like an HSP Mm-mm. highly sensitive person it's okay basically, um it's basically describes a personality type where um a person is a deeply feeling and thinking person okay so it doesn't mean they're sensitive in like they're very sensitive to, you know, being their feelings hurt. It means that they experience things very deeply, both physical and like emotional things. It also means that they're probably very empathetic um, and they're very responsive to like people's energies, which is like when somebody has like a bad energy or like is very negative and they're in a bad mood, it's so easy to absorb that. And so I have to be so mindful especially as a mom, because I feel like my threshold has become really small, right? To like be able to like buffer this stuff. I have to be so careful about the energy that I let in and all these like other voices and noise and um, people telling me what I should be and shouldn't be and think. 
have to not like accept that into my bubble. Yeah, that's great. It just bounces right off. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like recognizing that and then wanting to be in that bubble and creating that bubble, spending time to form that bubble is so important. Exactly. I love how you said like forming your bubble. Like it could be like a beautiful process. Yeah. Like it's your bubble. Right. You have to form it. We'll all create little bubbles. Yes. <laughs> and I, I think that's something that, you know, we as moms have to do, you know, or or else it's just gonna pop all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I think when you don't create that like sacred intimate space for you and what you hold close, then everything just comes in and you can't even differentiate from like lovely experiences and negative experiences because everything just feels overwhelming. Yeah. Oh, this has been so amazing. I can't believe we've already been talking for about an hour. I know. (laughs) I told you, you're so easy to talk to. You are. No, this has been great. Like I absolutely, I feel like I have gained so much information about you and just, you know, things that you wish that you knew and things that we can all learn from and relate to. So this was absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed being here and having this conversation with you. And this was so much fun. Yeah. So tell us like how we can get in touch with you or, or more about the business that you have and and how we can reach you and so my favorite thing in the whole universe is talking to people in my dms on boxer um on social media it's just like my absolute favorite thing it lights me up i look forward to it every day and i love that my community on social media is just so like connected and active um so on instagram my handle is at toby pollock underscore And you can find me there and just send me a DM because I just love connecting with all of you. And my Voxer handle, I know people usually like don't just give out their Voxer handle, but if I could buy stock in Voxer, I would because it's my absolute favorite way to connect with people. I think there's so much power in just talking to people. And I once, if you don't know, Voxer is like a walkie-talkie app. So you, it's basically like an app where You just like press the walkie-talkie button, you talk, and then the next person gets the message. And then when they have a chance to listen to it, they can listen to it and they can respond back. And I think it's such a good space because it's almost like you know that when the person has a chance, they're going to read the message or listen to the message. So you're never like worried that someone's going to interrupt you. So you just, it's just like a really safe space to be yourself. Because no one's interrupting you while you're talking. And I just you can talk or text. So my Voxer handle is at Toby Pollock. And um, I would love if you and your audience just reach out for any support, whether it's with motherhood or marriage or mental wellness. Um, like I said, I'm a psych nurse. I'm very um, aware and have a lot of knowledge around mental illness. Um, I'm not a doctor. I can't give advice, but I know a lot of of a lot of resources, a lot of information. I love talking about motherhood. I love talking about marriage and babies and um, all things in that genre. I love talking about body image, like I discussed. Um, So I would love to talk to all of you. 
on um, Instagram and Voxer. That's kind of where you can find me at this point. I love it. That's awesome. That's amazing. Thank you just again so much for being here and, and sharing all of your lovely words of advice and, and your mantras. I, I think I'm definitely, I need to create some of my own. That I can't wait to hear what you create. I, I know. <laughs> I know. I'll have to think about it. It will probably come up when there's like a situation and I'm like, you know what? I could really use a mantra for this. Definitely. All of mine came out of situations. It's hard yeah. to like, you know, predict when you'll need them. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really so much enjoyed this. Well, this wraps up yet another episode of Entering Motherhood. I hope that you have found this episode helpful. And if you liked it, please share it with others who might also benefit from this information. If there's anything that you'd like to know more about, or maybe you know someone who'd like to be on the show, please visit my website, enteringmotherhood.com. I'm so thrilled to be going on this journey with you and getting the amazing opportunity to help moms during this postpartum experience. Thank you.